2: The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com It's time! You asked for it and you got it at BruceBuffer.com Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com Specials For championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out at BruceBuffer.com. It's
1: time! With Bruce Buffer. And now... It's time for the voice of mixed martial arts.
0: Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th. Collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Bye! Oh,
1: it's Bruce Buffer.
0: Bruce Buffer.
2: From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are popping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Atlanta, Georgia, where the UFC is coming, we are live! This is It's Time Radio, the show we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry, this is No Holes Barred Radio, and we'll talk about it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Welcome to the show, I'm here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, how are you?
0: I'm great, I'm great. I I feel bad because things are going to kick off fast and furious here because... Uh, Justin is already on the line.
2: Oh, then let's bring Justin on the line. Lots to talk about. Uh, last week's exciting show in Philadelphia, my hometown. It was so great to be in Philadelphia to announce in front of my hometown uh, crowd and the great USC fans in attendance, and I just had a great time. But put that aside. We'll talk about that later. Let's bring on the highlight, the man, Justin Gaethje. And now a very, very special guest, a very exciting fighter, a man who stepped a new bounds. And new levels of excitement with his bout in the Octagon just last Saturday against the formidable Edson Barboza. Let's have on the highlight himself. A man who's created highlights for years to come in video. Justin Gaethje. Justin, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Bruce. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. You know, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while. I've actually, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. I, I love announcing you in the Octagon. You know, it's always a pleasure to watch you do your thing. Saturday night, last Saturday night, I think, you hit a whole new level. You're definitely one of the most exciting fighters I've seen in the octagon. You're definitely, truly a finisher. And I just want to congratulate you on an awesome performance because you had a formidable opponent in Edson Barbosa. You stayed on him. You didn't let it up. Was that your exact plan coming out, just to go after him, as you as you always seem to do? But, I mean, did you have a specific plan for Ed- Edson going into this fight? Yeah, it
1: was just... Um to go out there and, you know, be, be my best, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm incredibly athletic. That's what, uh, I don't get to, yeah, I think for the most credit needs to go to, to what I do in there is my ability just, to to, to, uh, adapt, you know, adapt to the circumstances. But my athletic ability, uh, you know, allows me to take these chances that, that sometimes people would rather not. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was a fantastic night. And that's a huge compliment coming from you because you've watched, you've been right there for a lot of fights.
2: I've been there for 23 years plus in the Octagon, Justin. I've seen every great warrior there is. Um, I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you because uh, you just, you blow me away every time I see you and then you come out. The way you go in, the way you take it to them, the way you do not let up, you did not give Edson a chance to recover. I have never seen Edson in that kind of trouble ever in any of his fights in the Octagon where he was just trying to get everything back together uh, to get his game plan together. But there is such a thing as a true finisher in fighting, and that's what you displayed. You just give no chance—not to take a breath. Now, you were ranked—I think it was number eight—going into this fight, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, no, uh, you're probably, real quick, Buffer, number eight on the charts, but number one in everyone's
2: hearts. Yeah, there you go. No, great way, to, great way to put it, TJ, because that's how we feel. Yeah. I would suspect that's now
1: beating—that's
2: what, what you are here for, my friend. So. Essen, I think, was number six. Uh, I, have, you, have you received the new rankings yet? Have they put you in a fifth or sixth? Yeah, now? yeah.
1: They moved me to five.
2: I thought so. That's what I predicted. That's what I predicted. You know, your career is long. I just want to give our listeners, because we have a, a huge amount of UFC fans listening, but we have a lot, a lot of people from all over the world that are brought in because we're a lifestyle show. I want to give them a little bit of a background on you. Uh, you're born in Safford, Arizona. I know you live in Arvada, uh, Colorado right now. You began wrestling when you were four years old. That's pretty amazing. You're a two-time Arizona State champion as a wrestler at Safford High School, an NCAA Division All-American wrestler while you're at the University of Northern Colorado. Colorado. Uh, you began your MMA career in 2011. So you've been fighting only for well, not only. Excuse me. You've been fighting for eight years. Uh, you gave up, if I'm not mistaken. You defended your WSOF belt five times, but then you gave it up to come to the UFC. Am I correct in that?
1: Yep, yep.
2: Yeah, th- I, that, that's in itself, the vacating your belt, of course. I think that every fighter's dream is to fight in the octagon. Now that you're there, you're also, you're, you know, you're destined to have gold around your waist. I, I see it. But you're also now a champion of the bonuses. If I'm not mistaken, you've collected six bonuses, which should have amounted to about 300000 by my calculations, uh, just in the last two years. Am I correcting that, TJ? Well, I mean, ask the, man, ask the man that cashes the checks. He would know better than me. Okay, Justin, do you, <laughs> oh, do you remember you how many checks you cashed?
1: <laughs> yeah, six. There should be seven, though. I should have got two on, on Saturday night.
2: Oh, you were looking for the double bonus, right? But you've received a double bonus before, haven't you?
1: No, honestly, I thought I deserved the performance of the night. And uh, I was surprised to see fight of the night. But if you're going to give me fight of the night, then I most definitely earned the performance of the night.
0: Can, yeah, I, can I just say one thing, Justin, about your performance that I think is incredibly overlooked? Uh, a lot of people were talking about how Barboza has these ridiculous kicks and how maybe we need to see Justin Gaethje go back to his wrestling roots and whatnot. What do you do? You walk out in the middle of the octagon and you buckle this dude's leg with a low kick to his lead leg. Like I, I love the fact that people think, oh, you know, Gaethje needs to worry about these kicks. And what do you do? You, you launch a devastating leg kick of your own.
1: Yeah, it was man. I think that's what set the precedent for the entire fight right away. Uh, you know, I think it, it definitely threw, it threw him off. And then he went to go throw his kick, and I was gonna, you know, I was gonna check it. And he had to pull it, and I think those two, the combination of things, really, really had him thinking like, "Oh shit!" Like I'm, I, he's a warrior, man. But um, you know, we all got a certain amount of weight with us, and once we expand that, you know, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna. Be, the next couple of times that comes out it's going to be difficult for him to go in there uh with the same kind of fire that he's ever had before. You know, I'm. Because of those, those late kicks that I did right away. I
0: agree. I, I was watching, you know, on, on Saturday night on television, and, and you know, I, I'm sorry. I love to say that, Bruce, maybe you have the best seat in the house, but really the best seat in the house is the one that's in your living room on your couch, as long as you got a, a sizable television. But, uh, you know, being able to look at Edson Barbosa's face when he landed that kick, Justin, I, I felt like his body language, you know, basically said, Wait, I'm supposed to be the one that does that. I'm supposed to be the one that lands a leg kick like that. What is this guy doing? And and I I think you're right, Justin. I don't think he ever really recovered and uh, was kind of taken out of the fight from the first you know few moments.
1: Yeah, fighting is so uh, man. It's, once it starts, you know, every the anticipation saying, We're sitting up for eight or twelve weeks. Uh, while you know, while Bruce is sitting there on the microphone announcing it, we're just waiting and waiting, and waiting. And then once it starts, man, there's there was so much that could happen in such a short amount of time, and, and I had him in trouble early, and I I created so much damage in such a little bit of uh, a little amount of time that uh, yeah he was he was in he was in trouble early man and uh, I have the best coach, Soto Whitman, and going back I, I go back and watch you know the fights like frame by frame, literally like frame by frame, and, and I was I was great that night, and I really I can't uh, see I can't wait to see how good I think I that could be. Uh, you know, just continue on this progression.
2: I love your attitude, Justin. I I love that positive attitude, the way you're explaining yourself and you're right in everything you're saying. One question I have relating to what TJ just mentioned, the leg kick you delivered to Barbosa. Was that part of your game plan coming out to say, Hey, your legs are baseball bats, but let me show you what a baseball bat really feels like. Was that, did you want to get him with that kick as fast as possible? I mean, I, uh,
1: before the fight, there's, there's many quotes, you know, my, my one quote that I kept saying was, I'm, you know, I'm gonna go out there and make my bones touch his bones, and we're gonna see whose bones are harder. And, um, that's what I went out there to do. It. it wasn't. I wasn't gonna go out there and kick. But if you look at if every single fight, I look at the Eddie Alvarez fight. I landed a monster kick in the first like two or three seconds. So yeah, I mean, like, you know, once that fight starts, you know, it's just like there's a clock. There's there's a clock that's ticking, and you know, five five minute rounds, three five minute rounds. It doesn't. It seems like a long time, but really there's uh, there's not a lot of time in there. Um, and it adds up quick. So, yeah, I mean, I, to get to get the ball rolling, you know, in the first, like, three to five seconds is something that I really, really enjoy, and, and once that happens, once he felt that personal, uh, I knew, you know, he was more susceptible to, to stay in the pocket with me and have these exchanges, and then uh, once I understood that I was hitting harder and that I didn't, there was less things than I thought I needed to worry about in those exchanges, I was able to, you know, 100% to commit to that, and, man, it was, it was something special, and again, I can't wait to do it
2: again. Well, you're a special fighter in respect to the fact that when you step in the octagon, you're facing an opponent. You make that fight for that opponent as that opponent can make that fight for you. And and you're definitely a true test. Anybody in the lightweight division that wants to go on to gold is going to have to be tested against you at some point or another as you're on your way to gold. And when I look back over your uh, plethora of fights in the past, and I look at these great like the great round you had with Michael jo- with Michael Johnson you know back in 2017 that first round is still epic in my mind I, I just I remember it vividly Dustin Poirier you know which many consider to be a fight of the year in 2018 you've got the longest lightweight winning streak right now with 10 bouts you got uh, it, excuse me that was in the, the World Series of Fighting you defended your title five times in that I have a question for you that's very key um, well key if you want to answer it you have been, and now more than ever, after Saturday night, you're a fan favorite. People love watching you fight. And I'm speaking for myself and other people that I've talked to and I hear and I've read about. Um, what are the top three goals for your, Uf- your UFC career? Obviously, I know one of them is to put gold around your waist, but what are your top three goals for the next two years in the UFC? Where do you see yourself and what do you want to be? Yeah,
1: I mean, I really, uh, now that I've created kind of this, you know, again, a fan favorite. I, I mean, I'm mean, i here to, you know, I'm here to make a living and to make sure that I have a sustainable living when this is done. So those are the, those, you know, that takes up the top two, at least, of uh, things that uh, that I'm here to accomplish, you know. Um, the, I, I, I have a, a human services, a degree in, in human services. I want to do social work. So the bigger this platform I gain, you know, the more influence that I'll be able to have. And, so that's number one for me. And then number two is financial you know, stability uh, through this. And then number three has to be to prove that my coach is the best in the world. Uh, and that's Trevor Whitman. I'm going to prove, you know, he has one right now with, with Rose Namajunas. Secondly, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be uh, his 26th or 27th overall. But uh, second, you know, UFC champion for
2: now. It's very interesting. Social worker. And I love how you threw in on the third note your coach Trevor. Right. He does a great job. That shows great respect of you to your coach. Um, that's a team, that I'm hearing team right there, and that's very big, I think, that works. You're social working, let's step into that for a second, because obviously you're gonna fight for so long, most fighters don't think beyond their guns. You sound like you have that, you're thinking beyond your guns when you put your guns down, and you wanna have a good career after that. Social worker in what way, in what area of social work uh, do you wanna excel at?
1: So as I went through college uh, to you know, take my, social, my social, uh, human services degree, Uh, The whole time it was to work with at-risk youth. And uh, so that's still my goal. Um, I'm not sure in what capacity or what, uh, you know, yet. I've really been so focused on on the task at hand, and that's fighting. Uh, So I I started that right after I was done with college. So I haven't been able to focus as much as I want to, but I go and I go to, you know, my best friend's a wrestling coach in one of the, you know, pretty much one of the worst high schools there is here in Denver or, you know, just inner city inner city, uh, high schools. And I go, I go to those wrestling practices. I go to the wrestling meets. And, uh, so for right now, that's all, you know, all I got going for me. But after this is done, I, you know, with the platform that I have, I'm going to have some kind of program or something that's going to help at, at risk use.
2: Well, I think you have a lot going for you, Justin. Don't, don't treat yourself lightly. You have a lot going for you. Uh, just the way you're talking and the way you're thinking. I admire this very much. You also are managed by Al- Ali. Uh, he is doing so much work with so many fighters. I want to thank him very much for having you on the show today because he did a great job of getting you to come on the show. Uh, he is managing a lot of fighters in the UFC, and he takes great care of them. And I can see the brotherly you know, type feeling or the brotherhood between he and his fighters. So, And I think team effort is very important here, and that's what you guys display strongly. Has the UFC since uh, Saturday night, or has anybody even commented, or do you have any idea... Who your next opponent may be, and when that may be?
1: No, I have no clue. I have not heard anything, seen anything, haven't even worried about it myself. So there's a little bit of a, you know, things got to kind of shake themselves out for me to have my next fight. I don't want to fight somebody right behind me, and to fight somebody in front of me, I got to let things play out a little bit. So right now, I'm just hanging out.
2: Smart, as you all should be. Trying
1: to get some rest.
2: And so what does what Justin Gaethje like to do in his off time? What, what, is it, what is it for you? What are your hobbies outside of you know, putting on the gloves and throwing down?
1: You know, since I was four years old, there hasn't been a lot of time for me to have other hobbies than uh, punching people in the face or wrestling. But uh, I play a lot of golf. I'm going to go stay in the mountains up in Stebo Springs here in Colorado for a few days and then try to find a beach somewhere.
2: Really nice. Now, beach. I live at the beach. What beaches do you like? And and are you a big? Uh, are you like swimming in the ocean? Do you I surf? Haven't or?
1: I haven't been to many beaches, but uh, you know, I'm trying to. I need to go to Hawaii eventually, but I'm thinking somewhere in the Caribbean, uh, maybe Jamaica. I don't
2: know yet. Nice, nice, no, it's yeah, Beautiful. Where I Where'd I go? You know, if you want to really experience something, a lot of fun. Like I was just at the Atlantis Resort, which is in the Bahamas, which is this amazing resort that has the beaches and has so much more to do. Um, would you go down, are you, are you married, Jason, uh, family or who would you go away no, with? No, just... no,
1: I'm, I'm single.
2: Well, if you're single, I'm the... single,
1: I've got no kids.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha. So single and ready to mingle, as we say, I got it. <laughs> you, you know what? I
1: guess. Yeah. I've been so constantly focused on this. I don't even thought about that, but yeah, it's something I got to figure out there.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Justin, um, I would recommend to you, Based on your answer to question to me, because I'm I've been to many beaches around the world. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going to Hawaii if you've never been there and just enjoying Honolulu, maybe doing an island hop over to Maui and experiencing the whole culture there. Hawaii is so much fun. Now, if you want to go even more exotic, and I have a connection for you, if you want to do this, uh, Bali is a wonderful place to go. But that's where you might want to go with some people and really enjoy. If you're going to be going over by yourself yeah. or with you know a couple couple buddies and doing that. I would hit Hawaii, I would go to the Bahamas. Um you can't get you can't get wrong with down there in the Caribbean. Those islands are so amazing. And you just pick yourself a nice resort and go and relax and enjoy and get in the water and do everything you need to do and step away from wrestling and fighting for a little bit and just enjoy that side and relax. It'll just make you so much hungrier and more motivated when you get back and step in the gym.
1: I like where you had that.
2: And again, if you want the Bali connection, just have Ollie give me a call or or you can call me. Ollie's got my number. And uh, I'll make a little connection for you. You might be very surprised at how they'll treat you over there. Hell yeah. Oh <laughs> I hear it. Hey, uh, l- right, but definitely-
0: last funny little story, and it goes on this whole single ready to mingle Tip. I don't want to give away any any real names here, so it'll just be first name basis here. Hopefully, it doesn't give away this guy's identity. Uh, when, when you first started uh, fighting uh, on the national scene, Justin, uh, there was a guy named Andrew that was doing your uh, your your interview setups. Do you remember him? I think so. He uh, he text messaged me not long ago, thinking I was some girl that he met at the bar, and I had to like. Text him six times before he stopped calling me sexy and playing the game. Like he's just like, "Hey, sexy, when are you coming over?" I'm like, "Uh, what?" So, give Andrew some hell at some point, Justin.
1: Yes, I will.
2: <laughs> that's a strange one, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Justin. Um, listen, anything you want to tell the the listeners? As a matter of fact, give us your your Instagram or Twitter, your social media handle. You know, I want people to follow you. I just again. You've got so much ahead of you. I'm very proud of you. Can't wait to see you again in the octagon, but I love your attitude. Please take your time, get your rest, re- recharge, and just get ready you know, for all that you have ahead of you, which is a lot.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One at a time. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter is at Justin underscore Gaethje. Got it. What, which,
0: just, which is listen, the hardest I'm... name to like read and spell until you know how to say it. Like, Buffer, the first time Justin fought in the UFC, I'm sure you looked at that card and was like, how the heck do I say this?
2: Well, you know, I write everything phonetically. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't tell by the way you spelled your name, Justin. Obviously, I had to do a... I don't rehearse, but in your case, as in other fighters' cases, I want to make sure I get the names correct. So I write them phonetically on my cards. And I got to tell you... Justin, the Highlight Gay cheese. I love announcing that, man. That just really comes out. Some names just have a a flair to them, and yours has it, Justin. And I mean that sincerely. Oh,
1: yeah. If you nail it the first time, I'm a little worried. I used to tell people, just put gay cheese and take off the S at at the end. Right. And then you'll nail it every time.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's the way to do it. You hit it. That's exactly how I do it. You got it. Justin, a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm going to let you get back, back to your day, get your rest, get your R&R. You're a true octagon warrior. I can't wait to share the octagon of my my, uh, my office with you, shall I say, next time you're out and about.
1: Yes, sir, yes. hey, I, I love seeing your face in there as well.
2: Thank you, Justin. I appreciate the respect, and I give huge props and respect to you. And, again, thanks to Ali for having you on the show and helping us out with this. Have a great day. I will see you soon hey, around you our are, UFC uh, campus. When you're sitting around the the octagon, I know you sit super close. How does it sound when I'm punching him? Whack. whack, whack, Thwack! Yeah. It's got, it reverberates. Just There's some punches and some kicks you don't even hear. But you have intensity and you throw your body into your punches the way you should, right? And when you yeah. nail a good one, oh, it, it, it sounds. I winced a couple times and I rarely wince. Trust me, I've been in this game yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Very I'll impressive. It's a lot
1: more. Ah, there, there you go.
2: <laughs> Warrior <laughs> spirit forever, Justin. Warrior spirit. All right. You have a great day. All right, you too, Justin. Thank you so much. Later. There he is. Justin Gates. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a great head on his shoulders. You know, he's he's focused. Um, I love the fact that he- he wants to, you know, take his time off. It's amazing, you know. You consider he's been a wrestler since four years old, and yeah. put it out there honestly. You know, I, all I've been doing—I I, I don't. Yeah. All said, all wait—we said all i, wait, wait, we said, yeah. all I be doing is punching and, and wrestling. Yeah, we you know, so we've just got focus. We've got a little bit of a
0: Skype issue here today, so uh, I don't mean to cut cut you off or anything. It sounds like you're done, but you're not. Uh, when I start talking, uh you know one thing that is interesting about Justin and he talked about you know wrestling since he you know was just a small kid you know that that wrestling mindset really carries over in life and and I'm sitting here uh on the outside looking in and and maybe I'm you know giving him the the you know kiss of death here, but Justin's a guy that I feel like you and I talk to. And we don't ever have to worry about him doing something stupid before we post the interview to where we can't post it. You know what I mean? Like that's not always mm-hmm. the case. Sometimes in this business, Bruce, you know better than anybody. We'll do a show, and it's like, ah, oh, crap. The entire narrative has changed. But uh, Justin's a guy that seems to be on a mission, and I don't think we'll ever see this man stumble. At least, you know, outside of the octagon, when it comes to you know personal matters.
2: No. And, uh, you know, we're seeing that with some individuals. No need to mention names right now because I'm tired of mentioning those names. But in Justin's case, what we have here is something I preach on the show, which is a role model to the sport. And he hasn't swayed from that. He's going down that path. And his focus and his projection to the future seems that he will stay on that path. You know, he knows where he's at. He knows what he needs to do. And he knows how he needs to do it even better to get that gold wrapped around his waist. And that's that's what I'm hearing when I talk to him. Very focused individual. And he's obviously got a great trainer. He mentioned his trainer. I, it's one of the first times I've had a fighter on the show who, you know, gives it up to his trainer the way he gave it gives it up. Even though I'm sure they all respect their trainers, he obviously gets along great with his manager Ali. So a team effort is very important because once that door closes in the octagon, it's a single man's effort. But you need your team till it gets to that point, and then you're securing yourself to make happen what you need to make happen. And that's what I see in this young man. Yeah, what do they
0: say? You're only as uh, strong as your weakest link? And uh, it seems like Justin Gaethje has uh, a pretty strong chain.
2: Very strong chain. I'm very excited to see what happens in his future. It's going to be very exciting watching this young man progress uh, in his fighting skills in the octagon. Another fight I want to mention from the other night, uh, not taking anything away from Justin, it was great to have him on the show, Michelle Walsh, fighting Carolina... Unbelievable. I thought Michelle gave an amazing performance. Um, it was, you know, she gets better with each fight, but I really loved watching her fight Saturday night, as I always enjoy watching her fight. And Paul Craig, uh, intense. You saw the show, right? Yeah, Yeah. of course.
0: Absolutely. I was glued to my television.
2: Yeah. And Paul Craig, I mean, yeah, when's the last time you saw a grappler from takedowns with bloody knees from all the work he did in the octagon? You know, it's
0: funny. I, uh, I, I wasn't in, uh, my my room when that fight first started i kind of came in about halfway through uh that fight with paul craig and i had to pause my television bruce and look at his knees to make sure that it was in fact matt burn and that he didn't get some sort of weird tattoo that i couldn't make out like i'm not even joking when i say that it 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 was some kind of red you know what i mean it wasn't just like we, we see fighters bodies you know turn red over time over the course of a fight but that was something else. It looked like he was bleeding.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, in essence, he wasn't. And I know I mentioned that there was blood there, but that's what it looked like when you looked at it. You're yeah. exactly right. One other thing is stand on of the night as there were other standouts in the night but uh, Josh Emmett's knockout of Michael Johnson
0: oh my god I mean I don't know what the scorecards really were but I had uh Michael Johnson up in that fight I thought he was just a few moments away from uh taking home a decision and Josh Emmett the way that he essentially set that up I mean he baited Michael Johnson into making the move that he did and unfortunately uh you know for the menace it was right into that right hand and Josh Emmett. Uh, this man hits as hard as a heavyweight. And uh, when you're on the receiving end of it, generally, I mean, good thing uh, if you're on the receiving end of it, you're probably not going to remember it because you're going to go to sleep. And unfortunately for Michael Johnson, he ate that thing flush and it was the, uh, the conclusion of his evening.
2: And you're right about one thing. He didn't remember it. You know, I'm in the octagon when, when the fighters wake up out of their knockouts. And um, like most everyone, what happened? Right. But the first thing that comes out, what happened? What happened? And that's what happens when you get knocked out. But Michael Johnson is a formidable fighter in his own right, like you said. And I, and I do agree because uh, John Anik and I had dinner afterwards. And I'm pretty sure that when we were talking about it, he was ahead on both D.C. and John Anik's cards going into the knockout that took place. But that's the world in which we live in the octagon. That's mixed martial arts. The fights can change at any given moment. Let's go into some other talk regarding sports. Uh, it's about time, but the NFL owners have now approved a new rule from now on making passive interference calls reviewable because there were a lot of bad calls last season. Here's my thing about about
0: that, Bruce, and and maybe you'll, you'll agree or disagree. I don't know, but my, my belief is this. If any game is going to have instant replay, That instant replay, as long as it doesn't completely screw up the flow of the game or like in mixed martial arts case, you can't really use replay and restart the fight. That's not able to do so from the, you know, just the nature of combat sports. But in my opinion, stick and ball sports, if you're going to use replay, there really shouldn't be anything off limits when it comes to what is reviewable and not reviewable. Maybe balls and strikes in baseball, but if there's anything that comes down to whether or not you know, we can see if something was done uh, correctly or incorrectly, we should be able to utilize the technology at its full extent.
2: Yeah, I fully agree. I think the only sport that it really causes a delay in which affects the athletes themselves more than other sports is fighting. When you're asking, you know, when a fighter has well, to stand there. It's not it. even
0: that. Like in, in combat sports, Bruce, I think the, the issue is if a fight is stopped because a fighter wasn't intelligently defending himself and we find out that, you know, it was because of a low blow. Well, the damage that was still sustained in the final moments of an MMA fight, you know, TKO to stop it, you can't safely say that a fighter can – Continue. They were just stopped because they, you know, essentially were getting knocked out or, or taking, you know, too many shots to the head. So that's that's largely why in MMA uh, we don't see, you know, restarts after replays used. And like most recently, Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler, like how would you put Robbie Lawler back in a choke? Like you, it's not fair to either Ben Askren nor Robbie Lawler. To restart the fight, you know, you know, deep in a bulldog choke, you're, you're never going to be able to mimic that, you know, the way that it exactly was when the fight was was stopped.
2: I agree. I agree. You know, used to watch that a lot in Pride. See things like that happen. Um, you know, this this thing we're just talking about regarding the uh, pass interference, it's a good call because last season there was 249 pass, pass interference calls and along with additional violations that went uncalled. So this is probably going to be a very massive rule change for 2019. Right. Well,
0: also, we'll uh, also too, was it the NFC Championship game where it was the, uh, the Saints and the Rams, and yes. basically like the Rams go to the Super Bowl because of a pass interference call? Like, Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that game, and, and those teams had to win and, and you know progress their way to that point. But I, I hate to say it, if it's a blown call that sends a team to a Super Bowl... It sort of invalidates the entire season up to that point. You know what I mean? Because a bad call goes your way or doesn't go your way, and that's you know your ticket whether it's punched or not to the Super Bowl. Like we need to make sure we're right in those instances.
2: No, you're absolutely correct. I mean, Sean Payton, uh, the New Orleans head uh, Saints head coach, he lost last year's NFC Championship game in part because of a critical miss pass interference call. What happened late in the fourth quarter? the score is tied. Los Angeles Rams cornerback Nikki Coleman, or Roby Coleman, excuse me, hits receiver Tommy Lee Lewis before a pass, you know, that, that, arri- that arrived on third and 10 from the Rams 13 yard line. He wasn't flagged for the play, and the Saints had to settle for a field goal and eventually lost the game in overtime. There's an example of how this pass interference call may help. So we will see. Another big story in football, you know, Tony Romo uh, had a, a solid career as a quarterback, very solid career, you know, as a color analyst for NBC. Now, the kind of, people wonder what kind of money. Uh, I wonder because you know I'm always wondering about you know success and what it takes and everything else. But you wonder you might wonder what kind of money the ex-athletes or football athletes make as commentators or as color analysts on those on those shows. Well, right now, um, Tony Romo is seeking a contract extension, which will make him the highest-paid one, which would be $10 million a year to remain at CBS as a color analyst. Troy Aikman makes $7.5 million. John Gruden used to earn $6.5 uh, uh for ESPN just for Monday Night Football. Not bad, huh? John Madden, you know, one of my favorites, if not my favorite guy of all time as, as an analyst, he was making, and this goes back a lot of years, he was making $8 million per season as, at his peak with Fox. Right, and that's 20 and years that ago. Step, that's 20 years ago, and do you know that Madden football made him more than that every year? Oh, yeah. And still continues yeah. to make more than that, which I would assume goes to his family. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I—, I
0: with, I have, that. I have a copy of uh, Madden football sitting in the studio here. Uh, it, it's interesting to know what these analysts make. And, and I think that, you know, it's, uh, it's not super easy to transition from that active player role to being an analyst. And the ones that can do it, I think they're worth every penny because, you know, someone like Troy Aikman, you know, Joe Buck, who's the play-by-play alongside of him – Those guys are so pivotal in how we digest and enjoy a broadcast. And, uh, you know, I think about, I mean, we talk about John Madden. I can't think about watching football in the 90s without it being him and and Pat Summerall. And uh, I I get goosebumps when I hear those two, you know, voices played back on tape.
2: Absolutely. Were you old enough to hear Howard Cosell? No, 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 no.
0: I mean, such a classic. Y- yeah. I mean, you know me; I'm a broadcast nerd, so I, yeah. I know who Howard Cosell is. I've heard his calls not only in football, but um, you know, in boxing as well. Uh, down goes Frazier, Down goes Frazier. Uh That stuff is great. It's it's iconic, and uh, you know that that's probably why I'm trying to you know pursue that as my own career. But uh, you know, e- even if you take that away from it, I- I've always been a big fan of of those iconic and staple voices to our our
2: lives and uh, yeah if you can go get it go get it man yeah exactly go get it go get that paper why not you get it they offer it to you you deserve it grab it now um i'm honored something happened this week uh you know my my fight cards i'm working with a memorabilia company called inscriptographs which sells a lot of my personal ufc memorabilia and other stuff i have a a page at the inscriptographs.com site for those of you that want to check it out But I got a call yesterday from Tyler Feldman, the owner of Inscriptographs, and they sent me some pictures, and I just posted on social media this week. TJ, I'm I'm so honored by this. I know we had, if I'm not remembering correctly, uh, Chum Lee from Pawn Stars on our show years ago. Well, now Pawn Stars, their actual store in Las Vegas where they filmed the TV show, has specially framed my fight cards uh, along with pictures into those. You never see those frames, TJ, where they have, like, you know, singers, actors, celebrities, whatever – and they'll have a piece of their memorabilia, and they'll have a picture of them in the frame to make it look really nice for the wall. Yeah, you know what I'm,
0: I'm, I'm looking at uh, what, what's on Pawn Stars now. Uh, this looks amazing. Um,
2: do you know what fight card it is? I'm trying to read it. I, I yeah, can't... It's, I, I will. It's the um, see. It's the Diego Sanchez card from UFC 235. Interesting. Wow. Um right. Because, you
0: know, I have I have a set, not just one card. I have a set of uh, cards that you used uh, at a UFC on Fox show. And um, you gave them to me. Um, I think it was uh, Joseph Benavidez and Demetrius Johnson, too. Uh, I got a Uriah Faber card in there. Like, uh, someone asked me not long ago if I'd be willing to donate those to an auction for charity. And maybe this is selfish of me. I couldn't part with them, Bruce. I couldn't do it. I mean, we're talking about UFC Hall of Famers in there. Like... I understand that it would be for a great cause, but uh, I guess you know, as of this moment right now, uh, they mean way too much to me. And I still thank you very much for for giving me those cards.
2: Oh, you're welcome, and you're very you're very uh, I'm very appreciative of that, and you're very worthy of those cards. To give you an example of those cards you have now, they've definitely gone up in price because you know you look at these cards like you would look I look at them as you look at collecting baseball cards. Mm-hmm. You know what what was the career who's on the card. Just the fact that Uriah Faber's retired, potentially yep. might come back. You know, I hear a little scuttlebutt here and there. Well, he's a UFC Hall Dimitri's, of Famer.
0: You know, he's a Hall of Famer. He's in the he's Hall of Hall, Fame.
2: Hall, exactly. It's just the same as having a card of a sports star who's in the Hall of Fame, too. That it, adds a it's an added provenance of value. It's
0: even better, Bruce, because, again, while there's multiple cards of Uriah Faber that you've done and probably have you know parted ways with for, for charity and whatnot – it's still one of one, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's, it's, still, it's still him in that fight, and no matter what other card it is, it's not that same fight. And, and that – even maybe it doesn't drive up the value per se, but it's, it's special to me. I was at that show. I was at the UFC on Fox in Sacramento. So that even adds more value uh, to it. And obviously, you're, you're one of my uh, – I mean, I'm not even going to say you're one of my good friends. You're, you're my brother. You're, you're family. And, uh, yeah, I'm probably never going to part with these cards.
2: Thank you. And right back at you, TJ, for those those compliments. I appreciate that, um, brother. I really do. But now I'll give you an example. Uh, you, Demetrius Johnson, the other card. And by the way, you're right. It, each of these cards are one of a kind. Right. There is no second unless right. I have my copy set that I carry in case I get a damaged card. Right. So, But that's not the same as the card with no. all my writing on it, coloring and everything
0: Which else. I'm blown away at how much uh, almost artistry you put into these cards, especially in those moments. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's colorful.
2: Yeah, well, it takes me – but the cards usually take me two hours during the week before I leave for my trip to pre-prepare. Then I need an hour to two hours when I'm there for all the finals stats, everything else, and the coloring that I do in the cards, but as you know, I don't read the cards when I'm announcing. I might have to glance at them once right. in a while. They're notes. And those highlights they're, those highlights are to highlight certain things that I want to get across in a in a loud, you know, robust manner. Right. Yeah. It's
0: it's clear that they're more notes than they're they're definitely not a script. You know what I mean? And uh yeah. that that's one thing that I didn't know until I actually saw the the cards, until I actually got my hands on them uh, to go, oh look, he he's not writing down word for word, which, you know, I think is very important, especially when addressing large groups of, uh, people, you don't want to be reading to them. You want to be
2: speaking to them and, uh, you know, you've nailed it. Yeah. I want to be real and I want to be organic. Thanks again. But to give you an ex- example of the value, you have a whole set I used to auction off the sets of cards, which would go for an average of anywhere from, uh, you know, like a 700 to as high as 5,000 a set. Then when Instagrams and Tyler Feldman took over some of the cards, which I've only done this like eighteen times, eighteen shows worth of cards out of the hundreds if not thousands I have, um, he sold the original Amanda, Amanda Nunes cyborg card that auction office we talked about for forty two hundred seventy two dollars. You get down to Conor McGregor's cards, you know, going as a set for anywhere from three to five thousand. Ronda Rousey's around three thousand for the entire set that night. But on an individual card basis, and again, like you have Demetrius. This card you're looking at pawn stars with Diego Sanchez, they put out at a retail of five hundred. Um I would say the set, the Fox set that you have now is easily valued at fifteen hundred dollars. Easily, without question. Uh, I think and, it's I think it's more than that, to be honest. It with could you. be my, it could be more. It could be more. I'm getting, I'm always conservative in my guess. that's I, I but that my a I I I favor and Demetrius Johnson cards are very desirable.
0: I mean to me, I, I think DJ's card is at least seven fifty Uriah's Maybe. card, I mean, Uriah's card honestly might even be m- more than Demetrius Johnson's. Um, no offense to DJ, he's, you know, one of the great pound-for-pound fighters uh, the sport has ever seen. But, you know, I mean, unfortunately for him, you know, skill and, and even accomplishments in, in MMA don't always dictate uh, marketability. And there are very few fighters that resonate with the people quite like the California kid and Uriah Faber. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I I feel pretty damn lucky to have, you know, only one of a handful of cards, if maybe the only one with Uriah Faber where he fought in his hometown. I don't know if you've uh, auctioned off another uh, event set where Uriah was in Sacramento. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel pretty special, pretty lucky.
2: One way to find out TJ, put it on eBay. Oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Sounds good. So speaking of memorabilia, Okay. Now, refresh me if I mention this in the last couple of weeks. I said when Donald Trump became President Trump that within the four year period, two to four year period, we would see the name Trump somewhere in the White House. Uh, remember when I said
0: that? You said this long before he was elected. And I remember yes. saying to you, Bruce, it doesn't matter. We'll never have to worry about that because
2: there's no chance in hell this man will ever become president. Right. Oh, so now that he. Now that he has, this just came about. Um, Now, it's not on the White House, but President Donald Trump has emblazoned the Trump brand name on images of the White House to be sold in his Trump store at the Trump International Hotel in the Capitol. The products, according to this article, and this is what the article – I'm going to read uh, exactly what the article says. The products give the bizarre impression that the White House is a Trump hotel. Does this not somewhat relate to what I said two or three years ago? (laughs) I mean, and even though it's not at the White House, it's, it's memorabilia now being sold It's like what I said would happen. Yeah, I have to take a little a little credit for this one. I
0: mean, he's in a roundabout way, he's licensing his name to the White House for these photos to be sold. Granted, it's all you know for him, um, but but still, yeah. I mean, y- you're the king of of marketing. You've proven that time and time again over the near eleven year history that we've worked with one another. And while I thought you were crazy. In retrospect, Bruce, it just completely makes sense, I, and and also yeah. too, like it, it's interesting that you say it, it. looks like the White House is, uh, you know, being presented as a Trump hotel. If you think about it, the White House really sort of is a hotel. I mean, how many people want to be invited to the White House and then spend the night in the White House? It, it's sort of a uh a networking hotel in a in a in a sense where if you're the President of the United States and you want to impress people you want to you know build a rapport or you know good relationship with someone you invite them to the White House and you allow them to sleep in the lincoln bedroom uh it's, it kind of is a hotel in a roundabout way
2: no question um for reasons of political social right. and entertainment values now getting back to this thing here this i want to give you a little more in depth here. The products among the new, its what they call them, the Cherry Blossom Collection, bearing the White House image includes soap mugs, a t-shirt and a long-sleeve shirt and a line on the mug, which also includes a drawing of the Trump Hotel, reads simply Trump, Washington, D.C. building. So, there you go. Um, Some people are actually commenting that there's an issue here because it creates a confliction of interests. Uh, One gentleman wrote, and again, this is not me saying this, uh, to quote, our corrupt president's hotel, in which he retains a conflicting financial interest, is selling products with the image of the White House on it. I'd say he's monetizing the presidency again, but it's a continuous effort. So again, uh, wouldn't make sense. And, you know, these are people's opinions. Yeah, and here's my thing about that. I mean,
0: I'm I'm not the the biggest fan of of Donald Trump. I think there are plenty of things to criticize him for. With that in mind, we don't really need to be this petty, right? Like, oh, he's he's making money off the presidency, which I know is against the law. But at the end of the day, who cares? Like, the man is the president of the United States, okay? S- selling a photo and his name is on it. I, much bigger fish to fry in the world. Much, yeah, mu- much I- bigger fish to fry with him than this instance, you know what I mean? Focus on the things that are truly questionable and, you know, are an issue. This, I just get, get over it.
2: No, I I agree with you. I'm not I'm not I'm not actually making a big deal on my part. I'm. I'm no, okay no, I,
0: I didn't say you were. I'm just you know the, the, this is how we are these days. Like yeah. I, I I'm I'm a big PC guy. By that I mean you know politically correct. I think that people shouldn't like I hate the word triggered. That's that's a thing now. I don't like yeah. that. I mean if you quote unquote trigger someone, it's because you're an a hole and you piss someone off and you're proud of it. Um, but we are too sensitive to certain things and we raise a hubbub about certain things, which honestly like takes away from real serious matters that we should be, you know, speaking up about. And, uh, I don't know. It kind of bums me out.
2: No, I agree, but he brings so much attention to himself in so many different areas aside from the very tantamount issues he should, he shouldn't and and does deal with it. It leaves itself open for criticism for people to come at him like this. And, with that being said, there'll be more of it, and we'll see where it goes. Now, the next story I want to go over is something you have to be concerned about for your son. Has your son had the measles, chicken pox, any of those things? Uh, he's
0: had uh, – uh, no, I don't think he's ever had any of those things, but he has an MMR uh, vaccine, which I don't know if people are – some people are probably going, yeah, that's right. That's what you should do with your kids. Other people are probably thinking, ah, no, you shouldn't use vaccines, but uh, he is safeguarded from,
2: from that illness. All right, good. Well – the number of measles cases has skyrocketed. Uh, 2018, um, the measles so far this year, and we're only in April, have already surpassed 2018's total uh, case of measles. So, for some reason... It's, measles, it's, bam, April. it's April! It's April. It's already surpassed 2018.
0: Oh my God! I, that's as, that's crazy! As of,
2: as of Thursday, there have been 387 cases of measles this year in 15 states, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, right? That already eclipses last year's 12-month total of 372. That's only in 15 states. Whoa. All right. So I don't know what the reason is, but I'm just putting that out Whoa. there for the parents and children to listen. Well, and, I, I, uh, I'm guessing it's because
0: not everyone is on board with the vaccine. Uh, there's a lot of belief um, that people feel uh, vaccines uh, raise the, the risk of things like autism in children and developmental uh, disabilities. Uh, I mean, I don't know.
2: Especially the HPV vaccine, which is getting a lot of criticism, which is a big problem because HPV virus is a big issue these days yeah. for many reasons. Yeah, yeah, And uh, I know Kristen, you know, was thinking about Henry and Rupert and we were talking and uh, out of all the research and everything, and actually Rupert told me this. He said that he went to get vaccinated. I said, did you get the HPV virus? No, I didn't say that. He offered to me. He said, but we didn't get the HPV vaccine because we decided not to get it, meaning, you know, his mom talked to him. So I asked Kristen, and just she told me about some of the stuff. And yeah, it is risky. It's scary when well, you think about it. I
0: mean, we just don't totally – like I hate to say this. I'm, I'm not saying that there's any – I'm not saying one way or the other, whether it's bad or whether it's good. But it's it's such a new vaccine. Like the HPV vaccine wasn't something that was available when I was a kid. You know what I mean? And we, we can't really know – what the long-term effects of anything are until we've had a long term to assess these results right. and and you know have the analytics from it and uh, I mean yeah I don't know it's it's a difficult situation you want to make sure you take care of your kids but at the same time if there's any evidence that sh- suggests being you know cautious and, and you know caring for your kid and doing the wrong thing may actually hurt them in the long run I mean it's something you have to sit down and you know think
2: hard about Agreed. Now, another thing to think hard about as we go on to another story here, and this is something, you know, I'm an animal lover, as we know, right? We talk about it all the time. We talked about a statistic that came out, I think it was two years ago, I mentioned the statistic that five horses a day die on, at racetracks around the country.
0: Right. When what, what people, training. yeah, when people need to realize that we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, an injury to the horse, which ultimately leads them to be euthanized. Right, They're not right. getting sick and then dying from you know, something in the stables.
2: Uh, well, yes and no, because what we're doing now, just two days after racing, resumed at Santa Anita Park uh, here in California. And I was invited to go to the races on Saturday, and I'm actually not going to go because I'm, I'm just I'm turned off by this. Yeah, give,
0: give out um, the number. I've heard the number.
2: Just, okay. Twenty-three horses have died at Santa Anita Park since the 26th of December. Twenty-three horses. That is seven plus horses a month.
0: Right from the story that I've heard, none of them have been illness though. It's been they've broken a leg or they've suffered some sort of issue uh, that is preventing them from you know racing. And unfortunately, right. those horses, when when you break a leg, they they usually put them down. It, it sounded like you had some information maybe that suggested otherwise. Have
2: some of those horses died from getting sick? Well. The deaths of the two dozen horses have been baffling. Okay, okay. Most, most people connected with the park uh, believe that the rain has actually been a factor in the horse's deaths, Now, whether that means the, the uh, turf they're running on well, or what's happening. Yeah, I mean
0: that's the question, Bruce. You say the rain. Are they getting sick or are they being put down or dying – because ba- of uh it's baffling it's baffling no they no no, an no, no no stop i think you're misreading oh, oh
2: i know I, I understand what you're saying are they being put down or are they getting yeah they you're dying saying dying?
0: baffling Like yes. yes that many horses dying is baffling but it, what i'm asking is it have they all died because of physical ailments and then they're being euthanized or if some just drop
2: dead for no apparent reason it is not giving the detailed information. Uh, yeah. So, uh,
0: yeah, I'm 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 99% sure that all these horses have been injured and then euthanized because I think there's a big movement to try to fix the uh, the track, like you said, because of the rain. Um, they're trying to make sure that these horses are uh, able to, to run, you know, full speed and and not hurt themselves because I believe all of these uh, deaths have occurred after being injured and then being euthanized.
2: Yeah, and that's what it seems to be reading here and what I'm seeing. You know, they're talking about synthetic tracks, but there's also a big issue with the drugs that are being fed to the horses. Um, Basically, the the Stronach Group, which is a group to watch over this, they announced rules that limited the use of whips and banned the use of nearly all medication on race day. God only knows what they're putting in these horses, TJ. Uh,
0: I mean, there's no USADA, really. (laughs) You know what I mean? And uh, we know what human beings will do to themselves to get a leg up and win. Uh, what do you think they're willing to do to animals that there's not a real connection with, that they don't worry about what they're going to be like long term? Yeah, I it's it's
2: scary. It's scary. And we're going to find out because after the death of these two dozen horses, um, which have been baffling people recently, last month the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office has assigned special investigators to specifically look into the horse's death. PETA said Sunday that the racing board horse owners and the trainers have not done enough, so, and they're claiming they need to take more measures to protect the horses. And they point specifically to a drug called Lasix, which is actually taken by uh, humans, too, because it's a diuretic, and it's a diuretic that's permitted as Santa Anita uh, at lower than previous levels, but eventually they're going to phase that out. What they want to see is, and they think this will be answering the question, so that this, you know, the great sport of horse racing go on hopefully more safely, all drugs need to be banned entirely. And the known safest racing surface, which is a synthetic track, needs to be used at the racetracks. So, we'll I mean, find the, out what they find out. Yeah. The question about the drug use,
0: I guess, is are these drugs being used for performance enhancement or are they medicinal and some of these horses need them? I, I'm assuming that these drugs are probably used for performance enhancement.
2: Oh, so, God, yes. But,
0: yeah. but I mean, again, like this is something that really wouldn't be happening if it were. I mean, it would happen, but there would be more strict rules against it if it were human beings, which at just saying that out loud, Bruce, honestly makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like these are living creatures. We shouldn't be reckless with their health because they're not human. You know what I mean? It kind of bothers yeah,
2: me. And, and it bothers me to the point that I got a formal, like I said earlier, invitation to go to Santa Anita Saturday, red carpet event, you know, the the, the top of the line, you know, suite and all that stuff with the, with the person that's invited me and what they're going to put together i read this article after the invitation come in and i reneged on my i reneged on the invitation i just don't feel comfortable i'm going to wait and see yeah. how this investigation turns out um you wonder if they take drugs and ban drugs from horses all around the country like they do you know asada does with athletes to the level they do it at what are the performance levels of the horses going to be does it, it matter does, d- we'll does it
0: matter though because like again they're racing one another like, in baseball, we need home runs. We need, you know, performances that inspire people uh, to watch. Oh,
2: you're, you're right. You're in right. No, in, in horse matter.
0: racing, I don't think we're going to see a quality drop. I mean, they're running around a track. And whoever wins, you know, hopefully you put money down on them. And, you know, I don't know. We've talked about your dad's old saying long ago when it comes to betting the, the, the horses. Uh, what did he say? Yeah, like
2: you said... He taught me how to teach. He me how to play blackjack and poker when I was eight or nine, and he said, "I'm gonna teach you about the horses. The only way to follow a horse is with a shovel. Don't bet on." Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It. I mean, pretty, pretty much.
0: And uh, you know, I, I think the same people that are you know, you know, betting horses now would bet them when you
2: know they're clean, quote unquote. They will. There could be some differences in times and stuff, durability of the horse. But again, we'll see. Let's see what this investigation comes up with. Another incident in prison, uh, Florida just cleared two men. After serving 42 years in prison for murder, and now they're free, and the state tossed the case. 42 years, TJ.
0: There's not enough money in a settlement that can right that wrong.
2: Yeah, so it's just—I mean, I won't go into details about it. That's just obviously is what it is. But wow, that's crazy. Hey, Jimmy Smith, the ex-commentator, uh, uh, former—excuse me, former commentator for the UFC—was it one of your favorite restaurants, Chipotle? You heard what happened to him.
0: Right. yeah yeah chipotle yeah he got some staples i guess in his uh burrito bit into
2: a bit into a steak burrito had 14 staples in the burrito like a brick and he took one bite and he actually pulled one staple out of his tooth he says he's not going to sue he's just making it clear um what happened so people know but oh my god 14 staples like a brick and a burrito i'm you curious know. if he'll go back like, can he put that out
0: of his mind, or is there a stigma now for him moving forward with Chipotle?
2: Well, let's see how Edson Barbosa feels when he walks out like Justin Gaethje <laughs> explained. It. I mean, it does have an effect, you know, when right. things happen. There's no sure. question. Hey, did you ever read the book The Old Man and the Sea? Uh, no. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic story. Um, uh, Hemingway wrote the book. and Ernst Hemingway, the great writer. And it's a classic story of an old man that goes out catches a giant sailfish, you know, just spent all day in, his, in a small boat, finally wheeled it in, proud as ever. It means the world to him. It's his food. It's his meal ticket. It's everything. As he paddles back to shore, he battles sharks who constantly take bites out of it to when he gets to shore, the, shark, the, the, um, the swordfish or the marlin that he caught, whichever one it was, is basically just down to the head. Well, get this. A fisherman, right? It's the sharky shark world out there. An Australian fisherman, he's fishing for a small shark off the coast of New South Wales. So he hooked what they call a bronze whaler shark, right, which is a pretty big shark, and he's got it on the side. The shark that he caught uh, – um, let me see here. Okay, the shark that he caught was, you know, a, a couple hundred pounds, like 220 pounds, right, okay, um, or a total of like 550 pounds. Well, as he's going, a shark comes up to the boat and eats – the shark he caught, leaving only the head. So bigger, he had a shark on
0: the line, and a bigger shark came
2: and ate shark, that one. He had a shark on the line that he caught, and then he he hooked it to the side of his boat. As I'm reading here, this is what happens that, on Looney Tunes. Bruce. Exactly, and then a huge mako came by and half devoured that shark. So you figure, I need a bigger boat. You know that famous line? Yeah. I need a bigger
0: well, I'm half expecting you to say that an
2: alien shark came by and ate the entire planet. Like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I know we talk about sharks all the time in the show, but I, that's just this guy might have had his eyes wide open going, what the, you know what? And there's a picture of him here, and all you see is the head of the shark he caught down to the gills, the rest of the body is gone.
0: That's that's bananas. That's
2: crazy. Uh, movies. Last week, they released Dumbo, the classic oh. Disney story. Um, which my brother Michael Buffer is, is prominently featured in as the Circus Barker. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's in the film. He, uh, we, he went, made this film last year. And um, basically, excuse me, the film, he filmed his part in 2007. No, he filmed it last year. We got it all set up. I made the deal with Disney. Uh, he went in. It's directed by Tim Burton. Uh, and I'm looking at all the publicity for the film. And there are so many stories, TJ, about Michael Buffer. And his scenes that are standout scenes is the Barker. And he says the words, let's get ready for Dumbo. Uh, Oh, that's clever. It's so clever. And he became so popular, um, you know, before and during the release that they brought him back uh, like last week, at the beginning of the week, to voice over the commercials they were running before, you know, the four days before the release of the film, which were all Michael doing the let's get ready for Dumbo being featured in the commercials. I'm very proud of my brother. Wow. He did a great job. The scenes are standouts. I told you we went to the premiere yeah. know, a few weeks back. Um, I think it's a film that you really enjoy. The one thing I'm going to say as we talk about a little critique of film, because I'm going to start reviewing films a little more um, that I see on the road and I see that are going to be coming out such as Dumbo. This is a Tim Burton film. This is a Disney film. It's a remake of the Disney classic. Dumbo is a story that, that fills your eyes with tears at a certain point, even looking at Dumbo. You're going
0: to cry. I uh, cried you, at the cartoon. I, I can't imagine what the live action is like.
2: Well, I wanted to shed those tears. And I found that I watered up. But my only crit- critique of the film, as fine a film as it is, as visually beautiful as a film as it is, it's a dark film too in places. Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito. You're talking Tim Burton here. The characterization in the script could have just had a little more to where you become that much more involved in the characters to let those tears flow. For dumbo you know right uh, and, and if you when you see the film with your son which i assume you will oh time. i
0: don't know um i don't know My, Why? I, I have a hard time with the movie dumbo even i was a 35 year old man because I, I remember crying when i was a kid when dumbo separated from his mom and and i'm telling you like if i go see that and it's like an actual elephant i know it's cg but I'm going I'm to be a 35-year-old dude crying in the damn theater,
2: Buff. I know it. Good. Good. I, my eyes cheered up. I just didn't flow. But definitely you will. And you know what, TJ? How old were you when you saw the film B- Bambi? Oh, God. Or- That's
0: even worse. I mean, yes. the, the, I can't, I've, cr- I, I've cried what feels like gallons of tears at Dumbo, Bambi, and The Lion King. Well, the
2: Lion King is being released later this year by Disney. Also, I, I
0: know. But, what are they doing yeah. to me? They're going to make me get on like antidepressant
2: but, medication. Uh, you know what that's called? It's called being, being a man, my son. Show your emotions. It's Be true. a man. It's a good thing, and, and also for your son. And this is your, you know, decision as his father, but as your friend. And I think it's good for a child to understand, or rather to express and feel those uncontrolled emotions so that they can understand what those emotions are about. And it, it might be a good thing because it is a good movie. It is rated PG-13, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so enjoy it. Enjoy it. And congratulations to my brother, Mike. Cool. Great job. Great job. Hey, do you watch The World of Dance with Jennifer Lopez? No. You know, these lawsuits come out, and here's a case, and I mentioned this on the, uh, the show in the past, we've talked about it. People come up to me and they'll say, hey, I have a great idea for a TV show. And I say, you know what? I appreciate that. Don't tell me. And I do that for a reason, right? Unless it's somebody I know and we're just hashing out stuff that we might get involved in. And Jennifer Lopez has just been sued for $6.5 million for stealing the world of dance, according to the lawsuit. Um, the lawsuit is first connected to jail. tells us that the world of dance was floating around NBC years ago. It was the network's concept. They brought it to Jennifer. But a man named Alvin Gray L is his name. He's suing J-Lo, claiming the world of dance is a total ripoff from an idea he first pitched to the renowned choreographer Debbie Allen. You may remember her. She was one of the Laker uh, cheerleaders, went on to do a lot of, you know, Laker dancers, rather, went on to do a lot of stuff. And he claims that he faxed Debbie. This This is how this happens in Hollywood. He faxed Debbie a copy of his idea back in 2009 for a reality show supposed to be entitled Let's Start the Dance. Right? He never heard back from Debbie Allen. He's also suing Debbie Allen. The following year, he registered a show idea with the U.S. Copyright Office, but was told seven years later there was already a similar show being produced by J-Lo at NBC. So Alvin claims he fired a a letter off to NBC telling him the show J-Lo's producing is is his original pitch. Four years ago, he made it to Debbie Allen, and he got zero response, right? So now, as a result, he's got some attorney that's on this, and he's suing both of them for $6.5 million in damages. You have to when you have an idea in Hollywood, register it with the Writers Guild. Register it where you can register it, so that idea is saved the way this man did.
0: Has uh, come
2: out. Has Disney put a patent or
0: copyright on films that make you cry because young characters uh, are separated from their parents? Because I'm pretty sure that's
2: every Disney movie. Yeah, pretty much. But I will tell you one thing. That let's get ready for Dumbo can't be used without a phone call to yours truly. Of course. There you go. I mean,
0: like I said, smart businessman. Uh, Real quick on the Michael Buffer tip with Dumbo. Uh, You know, I think about uh, Michael and, you know, when he really rose to prominence. Like for me, I was really exposed to him for the first time on the Jock Jams record. You know, that's where it all sort of made sense. And that's the 90s. And, you know, he's he's gone, you know, on to do really great things in boxing over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. You guys have been in movies uh, together. He's been in plenty of movies uh, by himself. And and now, again, he's instilling himself an appearance in, a, in an iconic and timeless movie like Dumbo. My son is going to know who Michael Buffer is, you know now and probably forever. Uh, and when he watches that movie with his kids, they're probably going to like the let's get ready you know, for Dumbo. And and that is a smart buff.
2: That's smart. Thank you. And that's exactly everything's going according to schedule, as I say. That's exactly my thoughts along with many other thoughts I had when working on this with Michael to make this deal happen. Um, Michael's 74 just came off as one of his biggest years ever in his entire 30-plus year career. And what's in store during this year, yet to be done and happening? It's it's just amazing. It even blows me away, both as his brother and as his manager and partner. I'm
0: gonna anyway. I'm gonna make a prediction right now, and uh, you know I, I hate to say this because you won't be here to uh, pay me when it happens, and who know, who knows maybe I won't be here to collect when it happens. But Bruce, you are going to be the first person to posthumously introduce someone into the octagon. uh, I think after you you pass away, I think the technology will be available and it will be desired by fighters far and wide to have Bruce Buffer who would at this time no longer – I mean you're you're probably going to die at 182 with how well you take care of your body. But uh, at some point, yeah, I I really believe that – I mean the technology already exists to – Take elements of your voice, plug it into a computer, and, and have that computer pretty much say everything that you know, we want it to say in your, your tone, but the cadence, that's going to be a little bit harder to uh, figure out. But I'm telling you, Bruce, you're, you're an icon, uh, Michael's an icon, and I expect you guys to somehow be ring announcing and octagon announcing long after you're, you're not on this planet.
2: Well, I appreciate those kind words, and, and I, it's, uh, without going into detail, it's not like I don't have certain plans for exactly what you're talking about. Right. Um, and Henry that, and you know, Rupert people, and the
0: estate of the buffers will, uh, will benefit uh, in perpetuity.
2: I would be very happy about that if it happens. So I remember Dana made a joke one time about getting a hologram of me for a show. But who knows? We'll see. Or it'll just be somebody, you know, taking over for me and doing what they do best and onward and upward. But uh, right now, it's all a mute point because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> don't, we <laughs> in the don't we know yep, it? Don't we know it? It's all good. But I wouldn't mind being retired not having to travel and being able to voice over that hologram at that time, 10 plus years from now, whenever that happens. So we will see. All right, on a last note on collectibles, um, my old friend Steve McQueen, and we mentioned quite a bit on the show, I just came across just a piece of white paper with his signature on it uh, that was um, authenticated by PSA and DNA test, or what they call PSA DNA uh, grading. Yeah. Yeah. Four by six index card, signature of nineteen seven three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars damn one thing i never got from steve in the years i knew him was an autograph
0: it's because you don't ask your friends for autographs no you know i never what I mean? thought about it never yeah it. i mean i've never even well actually i've had you autograph things but they're for promotional items that we've we've given away i've never i mean i've never asked you for an autograph except you know when
2: it's on a check of course but yeah uh, right and yeah you get those <laughs> all good <laughs> All right, TJ, let the audience know what's happening. We're going to sign off here, and we'll look forward to coming back next week. Damn, it's a rare
0: weekend. No UFC this weekend. Uh, relax. It's getting you know warm here in Southern California. Uh, people should get outside and enjoy the weather uh, if it presents itself in, in their region. And uh, get ready because the, uh, the train of fights is just loading up. Enjoy this uh, respite, if you will, because uh, mixed martial arts action will be coming fast and furious.
2: I am enjoying it myself. Uh, because of the fact that I have one week off, and then I'm off to Atlanta for UFC 236. I'm off to St. Petersburg, Russia the week after. I'm off to Sunrise, Florida the week after that. I'm off to Ottawa, Canada the week after that. And then I go to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And then I come back, and yes, I have two weeks off, but I don't have two weeks off. I've got an appearance that following weekend. And I'm scheduled to do a big arm wrestling event in Las Vegas on May 25th. Uh, that we're finalizing details on, and then I start back on the trail for UFC. So I really don't have a weekend off, but I'm looking forward to everything that's coming up, plus my birthday in May. I'll hit the big 62, and I plan on celebrating that uh, with my family and loved ones in a very private, fun way. Getting, ba- get, get,
0: getting back to uh, shark conversation, you're like a shark buff. If, you, if
2: you're not moving, you're dying. That, exactly right. Exactly right. And uh, like I said, when it does come that time, if a great white shark, white shark blah, blah, blah. if a great white shark gets me on uh, one of my casual days, well, say la vie. Or if I go t- and it happens in the <laughs> octagon, say hey. la vie. Hey. It's all good. Just playing, just playing. We love you, Buff. Love you too, TJ. And I love all our listeners. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. I'm working on a special guest for next week. Have a great week. I know you're going to miss your UFC, but you don't have to miss your UFC. Why? ESPN Plus, baby. You got your app. You can get all the UFC you want. And, of course, Fight Pass, one of the greatest buys in the world. So enjoy it. We'll be back next week. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down before you step on that path. Have the knowledge you need to get there. And then step on that path and just be the best you can be. Do the best job you can, no matter what it is, because then you're winning. And that's what we're about on this time radio. It's time to win, and we'll be back next week. All right, TJ, go out there. Rock the boat. Have a great week. Talk to you next week, my friend. Bye, everybody. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com. Hudson family has four kids and two options for a new home number one checks a lot of boxes it's big close to work private tennis court number two was kind of cramped and that old barn was clearly haunted but it has one gig internet with AT&T fiber so plenty of bandwidth and unlimited data for us to stream 4k movies while billy games tina video chats and andrew and maddie can do homework HBO max Good point, Ghost. AT&T Fiber comes with HBO Max included. Looks like the Hudsons are bypassing the commuter's paradise to go with one gig internet with AT&T Fiber. And a fun new guest.
0: Get super fast, entertainment-grade internet with AT&T Fiber. Now with the limited data included. Find out how to get one gig internet for $49.99 a month for a year. Limited availability in select areas. Call one only att Download max typically 940 megabits per second. Speeds not guaranteed. Vary. $10 per month equipment fee applies. Compatible device and online account registration required for HBO Max access. New residential ATT Fiber customers only. Other
2: charges and restrictions apply. Visit ATT.com slash ATT Fiverr for details. Total Wine and More announces
0: points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe
1: even flying cars. <laughs>